Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream show where we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. Today is Tuesday, September 22nd, 2020, and I am Rick Berger, the Vice President of Membership Engagement and Development for the IAB. Our subject today is the dual challenges of identity, addressing technology and diversity issues in ad tech. No one better than to discuss this than my guest today, Karel Cooper, the Senior Vice President of Global Marketing at Live Intent. Just by way of background, Karel leads the marketing teams and works closely with the sales team, product, engineering, and customer success team to create awareness and generate leads for Live Intent's products and features. Karel has over 20 years of digital experience building and leading ad ops account management, partnerships, and product marketing teams. There is more, but I'll let him tell you about that. Karel, come on the show. Hey, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me as well. Well, I'll just say this uh, before we get started. We're both in New Jersey. It is 70 degrees and perfectly sunny. So, Thank goodness we're both inside in, inside dark walls today, right? <laughs> um, okay, as a starting point, I looked at the LinkedIn profile for live intent, just like you would for any conversation one-on-one, -on -one, right? This is what I saw as your positioning statement, so I want to read this and then dig into it a little. Live intent is a people-based marketing technology platform changing the way over 2,000 of the world's largest brands and publishers think about email. I know how positioning statement works. Work That's incredibly well thought out, I'm sure, every word. But can you unpack that for the audience a little bit? And within that, talk about your role at the company. Yeah, sure. So, so let me start by unpacking that. First and foremost, uh, Live Intent, we've been around for 11 years now. And we really started out as a company that solved dynamic ad delivery and email newsletters. So before Live Intent existed, um, publishers were hard coding ads in email newsletters and uh, counting based on send volume, right? So really an inefficient way of delivering marketing messages in the inbox. We came along and we changed that. And so our technology uh, uh, pretty much allows all of our publishers to uh, operate um, their, their ad inventory in the inbox, very similar to how they would on the web, right? So you can serve up uh, impression-based campaigns, um, you can serve up sponsorship uh, campaigns, so on and so forth. And so that's how we started out. And our business has evolved over those 11 years to now we are helping over 2,500 publishers and brands acquire, retain, and monetize their audience with a suite of advertising and monetization solutions all around a common stable identifier, which is the email address, right? And so um, across our platform, uh, we are reaching about 290 million uniques now on a monthly basis. That equates to about 9 billion impressions a month. And what's unique about that is that uh, an impression and a unique user for us is not a cookie, uh, it's an email, an email open specifically. And so the advantages of working with us in our platform is that it's a 100% logged in environment, uh, it's fraud free because newsletter subscribers have to go to a publisher's website, they have to sign up, and then they have to opt in again. 
Uh, and, you know, usually uh, a subscriber is a publisher or brand's um, most engaged user, uh, most engaged reader, most engaged audience. So that is at a high level who we are, and hopefully that unpacks what you saw on our LinkedIn profile. Um, turning to me specifically, so I've been at the company coming upon six years now. Uh, I lead the marketing team. I've been leading the marketing team for uh, the last two and a half years. Uh, my first uh, few years within the company, uh, I was actually leading account management before I, I transitioned over into the marketing role. And then prior to Live Intent, um, I spent most of my 20 years in our industry uh, at publishers. Most notably, I was at Advanced Digital, which is a local news publisher uh, for close to eight years where I led ad operations and uh, our platform partnerships. Gotcha. Okay, you addressed this a little bit, but I want to just double back on it. Um, talk about yeah. identity a little bit. So in your in the description, it's not so subtle. It's You're a people-based marketing technology platform, and you and I have mm -hmm. talked about identity, I think, a few times. So yep. identity in this case is the email address, but can you dig into it a little bit further? Because identity is at the heart of every discussion, you know, in the industry. Right, right. And 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 that that's where I'll I'll start by saying, you know, identity has always been a part of everything that we do at Live Intent, just as you you alluded to, um, because the foundation of our solutions uh that we offer starts with the email address, uh, which is essentially, as you know, um, every user's digital passport, right? You can't do much on the internet today without your email address. You use it to log into social. You use it to subscribe uh, to content. You use it to buy things, whether that be on Amazon or eBay or, or, or somewhere else. And you're even using it these days for to logging into to streaming services, right? So that, that's why we say that identity has always been a part of everything we do because the foundation is, is the email address. And with that said, um, you know, it, everything that we do around targeting, uh, reporting, attribution, which I know we'll dig into a little bit, again, the email address is, is at the center of that. And if you think about um, uh, the way that we've been operating for the last 11 years and in the environment that we've been in, uh, which is the inbox, right? There's there's no cookies there. There's no JavaScript. Uh, it's consent-based. Uh, there are heavy user privacy regulations, right? Just think of, of, of can spam. All of these things that uh, now the browsers are trying to bring to the web to protect uh, consumers, which is a great thing. We've been operating in that environment for 11 years. And so that that's why we feel we are in a pretty good spot to help our, our clients, publishers, and brands as they prepare uh, their first party strategy and prepare for uh, a cookie-less world. And so we're excited to continue to offer our solutions and services, not only in the inbox, but beyond the inbox as well. Right, yeah, the opt-in I think is, um, I wrote that down as you were talking, that's the key, right? So everyone yeah. is, is, is looking for the content. So they're engaged with the content. That, that's really, that's, that's the cool feature of it. Um, attribution, you mentioned it a second ago. Since you have the email address, I imagine there's some ways to close the loop, but can you describe them a little bit, how that might work? Yeah, so, so, I, I, so I'll start by saying that our, our technology and our process allows for our customers to um, build audiences, uh, optimize campaigns to those audiences, 
and then measure conversions. And when I talk about conversions, I'm talking about post-click conversions and post-view uh, uh, view conversions. We also provide uh, log-level data back to our clients to help them tie uh, those conversions uh, back to the audiences that they've built with us, right? And so um, when you think about sort of that, that loop, if you will, our technology and our process is set up in a way where if marketers are running campaigns with us, they're easily able to track uh, where those conversions are, are coming from across our platform. I'll give you a great example. Uh, and this is a case study that's available on our website uh, from Nordstrom Rack. So um, Nordstrom Rack wanted to drive uh, online shoppers looking to buy shoes and accessories to their, their website, right? So we worked with them to develop essentially a full funnel uh, customer acquisition campaign. And again, we used our technology and our process to set up um, their campaign in a way that uh, tracked uh, website engagements as well as build uh, dynamic website audiences that we then targeted uh, those users across our platform, right? And so by running this campaign with us, um, over the course of the campaign, uh, Nordstrom Rack was able to uh, uh, attribute 4,000 conversions from their remarketing strategy with us uh, to back to their website at an 8.6 uh, click-to-conversion rate. So we, we work with our customers to not only make sure that they're uh, set up and are running the right types of campaigns with us to help them accomplish their goals, but we also have the tracking and the mechanisms in place where they're able to attribute and understand how successful their campaigns are that they're running with us. Right. That's 8.6. Wow. That, I assume that number's in bold letters on the website in the case study. <laughs> That's yes. um, okay. So we have a couple different viewing contingents on the show today, as we do every day. We have buy side, we have sell side, et cetera. So I want to, I want to delve into that a little bit, a couple of questions. So from, let's start with the buy side or with the brand side. I read yeah. from Rakuten that 26% of marketing budgets are wasted on ineffective channels and strategies. So with that as a backdrop, what's your secret sauce? How do you guard against those inefficiencies? I think it's a lot of what you just talked about, but are there some other parts to the business you want to talk about? Yeah, so let me let me unpack that a little bit. So so first, um, let's talk about the waste and the inefficiencies, right? Um, because it comes from a number of different uh, areas, right? So um, a lack of differentiated channels uh, could lead to those inefficiencies, right? And in some cases, the channels that where marketers may be spending dollars are becoming more expensive, right? So all those things lead to uh, waste and inefficiency. Uh, for us, when we think about um, how we work with our clients and guard against those efficiencies, there's a, a combination of things, right? There is um, what we do, what we can do at Live Intent, what we know, and then what our consumers know, right? So let's talk about what we do, right? What we do is um, when we deliver uh, an ad campaign, uh, we only run an auction and deliver an ad based on an email open. Right. So you can be a brand or publisher of ours and you can send that message out to 10,000 people. Right. But if only 2000 of those people open the newsletter, those are the 2000 people that we are running an auction and delivering an ad to. 
And so what that ensures is that we know that the consumer is engaged in the email, right? And so the likelihood of them seeing the marketing message goes through the roof, right? Because we're not delivering ads based on send, we're delivering uh, based on open. What we know in our platform and our technology is we understand uh, what newsletters uh, uh, people are opening and we understand what people are clicking on. And when I say what people are clicking on, we understand the types of ads that they're clicking on and we also understand uh, the content that they're clicking on. What our clients know is our clients are bringing all the additional information to the table, right? So our publisher and publishers and our marketers they understand the demographic information of their subscribers. They understand the, the purchase history of their subscribers. They understand the intent and the behavioral data of their subscribers. So all those things working together and us working in conjunction with our customers uh, helps us make sure that we're not only delivering the right message to the right user at the right time, but that we're guarding against those inefficiencies that you uh, hear about from from other channels. Right, I could just hear the viewability conversations I've had over the years in my head at different, <laughs> <laughs> or I hear them at two o'clock in the morning when I sit up yeah. in bed. Um, <laughs> let's talk to the publisher side a little bit, the sell side that's viewing today. I imagine the key proposition to publishers is you call it revenue div diversification. It's probably more revenue, but yeah. What does that aha moment feel like? Or what is the aha moment, I should say? Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say going back to um, what I said at the beginning about us being around for uh, 11 years at Live Intent and starting out as a way for um, dynamically delivering ads and emails. Obviously, with our publisher partners, uh, we've had a strong relationship and have always worked closely with the operations team and the sales team. Because uh, first and foremost, it was about the monetization of the inventory and also selling the inventory directly. And while that is certainly still our you know, bread and butter and why uh, the majority of our publishers work with us, it's been an interesting trend to watch over the last couple of years as, um, as publishers start to think um, uh, more strategically about their first party uh, data strategy, how now we're hearing more and more from the marketing folks at our publishers, the folks that are responsible for growing subscribers, the folks that are responsible for understanding uh, what content works best, the folks that are responsible for um, promoting and selling any products that they have. And they're starting to use our platform and leverage our platform to uh, grow their subscriber base and to promote uh, content and other products. So I think um, the aha moment very early on in the in the life uh, of Live Intent was the monetization and the dynamic ad delivery. And now I think it is more about or moving in the direction of publishers looking at a, a holistic first party strategy and how they can leverage the Live Intent platform to um, grow their subscriber base, um, understand and recognize more users that are coming to their website. All right, so you have you have the CMO and the CRO working hand in hand with you, which is always helpful. Yeah, much yeah, much like the yeah, model, to be honest. yeah, right? and and uh, you know, I I've I've talked about this in in the past before. Is we we're starting to see those those silos that traditionally existed at at publishers between marketing ops and other groups 
start to come down and starting to see those teams work closer together again with the goal of creating a holistic strategy, which I think is is super interesting to watch and important. And we're in a, like I said before, we're in a great position to help our customers there. Right. Growth mode is fun. I, I want to try um, one other question along this line, and that's talking about the consumer experience. So creative, I imagine, is at the heart of success, right? If the message isn't right, doesn't matter if right. it's in the right so can you talk, um, just give us uh, one or two tricks to creating relevancy in the email environment or the newsletter environment? Yeah, yeah, sure. And and um, this is a, a great question and, and I'm glad it's coming up because um, the creative and branding team uh, within the marketing department, uh, we do a lot of consulting for our, our customers. And and actually, we just recently released a, a ebook of best practices for um, uh, for creatives and messaging um, that's available on, on Live Intense website if anyone's interested in, in that. A lot of great tips in that. And so, you know, when it, when it comes to creatives, right, let's, let's talk about email acquisition campaigns. There's, there's three major points that we love to hit on. The first one is uh, to showcase your value, right? So making sure that your creative uh, is highlighting the value for the consumer, right? Uh, that's super important to make sure you're showcasing that. The second one is is keep it simple. Um, don't have the creative doing too much. Like make sure there's not too much going on in the messaging. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, allowing that that value prop to 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 shine through. And then the third one is really on the client side, which has to do with the landing page, right? And making sure that the landing page is set up and the, the messaging on the landing page is consistent. Uh, with the messaging in the ad um, and making sure that uh, the the consumer that once they get to your website, um, they can take the action that you want them to take very easily, whether that be, again, signing up for content or, or purchasing something. So those at, at a high level, Rick, are, are sort of the three main uh, uh, bullet points that we usually give to anyone looking to run an email acquisition campaign. Right. That makes sense. And that create the landing page piece works right back to the attribution piece, which you talked about earlier. So you can see how everything's intertwined. Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about diversity and inclusiveness. I know this is a passion point for you. You're involved on industry level, on the company level, and on the personal level. So I'm going to give a little plug to you. Um, Carell has his own own podcast called The Minority Report. Uh, this highlights people of color, diverse backgrounds, women, and the LGBTQ community within advertising and marketing. It's awesome. He appeared on our IAB podcast up front last week. Um, you could find it on SoundCloud. So there you go. If you're selling advertising on there, I want, to, <laughs> I want a little credit for that. You're also co-chairing one of uh, the working groups in my committee on the IAB's DNI committee. So we appreciate yep. your uh, your getting involved. So. As I said, this is a passion point for you. So our yep. passion project for you. I'm going to give you a sort of a canvas right here. Talk from the industry, talk from personal experience. What are we doing well? And really, what are the frustrations? Indiana? Yeah, so I, I would say what we're doing well right now is I think we are talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion more now than maybe we've ever have uh, 
in the past in our industry. And, and I think that that is great, right? Because I think in order to push the conversation forward into action, um, you know, you first have to sort of admit that, that we have a problem, which, which we do. And I think everyone knows that and, and wouldn't argue it. I would say for me personally, where the frustration comes in is that um, you still don't see a wide range of diverse people in senior and executive positions across uh, our industry, right? So that that's a frustration. And, and what are we actually doing to, to get there? And I would also say in a second frustration, and this goes back to before the pandemic, uh, when we were all still able to go to conferences and events and and meet up in person, there still was a lack of representation across the board at uh, big industry events, a lack of representation uh, from a speaker perspective and a lack of representation from attendees uh, across the board, again, at, at, at big events that that I went to earlier this year. And what's frustrating about that is a lot of these events will have diversity panels and that's all well and good but it seems like really the only time where you get a diverse panel is when um, a diverse panel is when the topic is about diversity right and so as we move forward here uh, I definitely personally want to see more representation across the board uh, at events and um, there we need to see more uh, diverse people in in senior positions. And I think for an industry that loves to uh, measure everything, if you will, uh, it would be great to start to see um, companies set um, uh, annual and quarterly OKRs uh, related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, just like they do for revenue and product specific. And, and let's report on it. Let's start getting that data out there and let's see who is really about making change versus who's really about just talking. Yeah, uh, well said. And everything you just brought up, oh, there's your um, there's your Minority Report podcast coming up on the screen. That's great. <laughs> um, uh, well said. And you know, I'm running the community and um, engagement committee within our our um, our DEI effort. And everything you just talked about, or a lot of what you just talked about, we're trying to address. Uh, bringing in yep. people, you know, as young as high school to start thinking about a career, but certainly in mm -hmm. college, finding people in other industries. So. We're trying as well. We have some working groups about to kick off, and you're chairing one of those. So, I'll ask this. Yeah, and, that, and, and that's and that's great. And let's let's keep putting one foot in front of the other, and let's keep pushing forward, and and let's set the foundation where efforts are sustainable over you know a long period of time, right? Uh, so, yes, I, I, I like some of the steps that the IAB is is taking there, Rick. Yeah, so I think you've probably answered this, but I'll just give you a uh, I'll give you a wish list. Our check-in date is Newfront next year because we kicked off a lot of our efforts, you know, through the backdrop mm -hmm. of what we're seeing in the world. What do you, what kind of things are you hoping to see? And I, I I know it's people to actually commit to it, but are there any specifics you'd like to be able to point to in twelve months and say, look what we did? Uh, in, in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I would say, again, it, it goes back to um, the, the two major factors that, that I just brought up, right? Uh, I want to see across the landscape in our industry um, more representation at the senior and exec level. 
uh, at the companies uh, in our in our space. And I, I want to see more representation uh, on stage uh, at major events. Um, again, not just speaking on diversity, equity, and inclusion, but speaking on marketing, speaking on operations, uh, speaking on on sales. So that those those two points, it goes right back to my frustrations earlier on. So that that's where I would like to see the growth, Rick. Yeah, got it. Well said. Um, okay, you've had a really cool career path, and you we talked about it earlier. I did in the introduction, but. I want to delve into that a little bit. AdOps, account management to marketing. I always found the best AMs understood the AdOps part, and they didn't just pass that off. So, so you check that <laughs> off. And then by knowing the AdOps piece and knowing you know how to service clients, you become a better marketer because you know what everyone's thinking. So you have it right. Um, what's the best advice you've gotten along the way in your career? Um, I, I think the best advice that um, I've gotten in my career was someone once told me very early on to treat my career uh, like my own business and like my own brand. And the person who gave me that advice, what he meant by that was set plans for yourself, set goals for yourself and go out and figure out how best to achieve those goals for your own personal brand, uh, look at people in the industry who you respect and look up to yourself and how can you uh, take bits and pieces from those individuals to uh, shape your, yourself and, and think about how those folks got to the position that they're in and what's the path that you need to take. So I, I think that's the best advice that I've, I've gotten along the way. And to this day, I still think about that in terms of treating my own career like my own business and, and like my own personal brand. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I love this question. It, it, you might have answered it already, but I, I'm going to I'm going to ask it anyway, because it's a little bit a little different take on it. What would you tell the young Carell who is just graduating from Keene University? <laughs> that could be about wow. the world. That could be about the Bears might not win another Super Bowl any, you know, <laughs> in your time. But what is that? What is that advice? Yeah, um, I, I would say um, if if I could go back and and do it over again when I when I first came out of of college, I was very 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 fo focused on okay, I've graduated, I have my degree, I need to go find a full time job, and I need to enter the workforce. Well, I think that's all well and good. If I could go back, I would uh, tell my younger self to spend more time uh, exploring and, and learning, right? And so that means uh, traveling, that means reading, um, that means getting to know uh, different people that don't necessarily look and think like me as well, too. So, I, and I think that that is very important uh, to to uh, a person who is is growing to spend some time exploring and getting to know the world. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I've actually thought a lot about this. As you know, I have a daughter who's a freshman in college, so I'm yeah kind of playing that role. And she doesn't really want to hear it from me, but <laughs> I've told her take classes that have nothing to do with what you think you wanted to do, like art mm -hmm. history, criminology, or you know, you know just 
take this time. You'll, you're never going to kind of get paid to go learn stuff. <laughs> and it yeah. may not fit, you think, but you become a just a great, you know, well, much more well-rounded person and you know stuff. And so that's the advice I would give. Um, okay. Gotcha. I'd like to call this, um, this last area the all about you. So give our audience a chance to know you a little bit. So we are in the craziest time of our lives and you're a commuter as I am, but I would, and that just beats on you during the week, but I would say the weeks are even yeah. probably harder now because we're putting in a lot more hours. So you get yourself to Saturday. What are you doing? How are you blowing off steam? <laughs> you getting your head right. Yeah. Um, well, definitely try to spend as, as much time with my family as I can. I've got, you know, two daughters, a, a 12 year old girl and a, and a three year old girl. Um, so trying to, you know, get them outdoors and do as much as I can with them. Uh, but the other piece of it is uh, cycling. Um, I love getting out on the road, love riding uh, my bike. Got a group of buddies that I go out with. And um, riding is for me is not only great exercise, but it's also a great way to see the area um, that you're you're riding through. And it's also great for networking. I mean, there are a lot of great people in our space that have taken up cycling. And so that's what I love to do. Got it. Um, what sports had the best COVID comeback? Oh, I think this is an easy one. The NBA. Um, I yeah. love, love, love watching the NBA right now. Um, I think they did a fantastic job with the bubble uh, down in Florida that they created uh, to guard against anyone getting sick. Um, I love the fact that the athletes now more than ever, I, I think, are, are more socially conscious and, and aren't afraid to, to speak up uh, on the issues that are impacting our, our country right now. Uh, and, and the game, the sport, the quality of the sport, there are so many great players in the NBA right now. It's just, it's just great to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. I could do a half hour on that, but I think ESPN <laughs> do a better job. Okay, one last one for you. As we're looking forward, put on your soothsayer hat, as we say. 2021 will be the year of what? It will be the year that marketing has the greatest impact on organizations across the board. And yes, I may be saying that because I am a marketer, but I think in this in this day and age, Rick, where um, uh, the values and the beliefs of an organization uh, need to be front and center, uh, along with the marketing of of the specific products, right? Uh, I think is super important, and so I think marketing is a great in a great position to not only lead that charge externally but internally within an organization. And so I, I think you will see. Uh, the role of marketing organizations evolve for the for the good uh, in 2021. Love that answer. I think you're right. Okay, thank you. This is great. Half hour went yeah. fast, but great talking to you. Too fast. Too fast. <laughs> well, we could, we could always do it again if they'll have us yeah. back. <laughs> All right. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you again for you too. Take care. Thanks, Rick. Okay, I have some some. Housekeeping things to uh, to get to for our audience. Starting September 29th, the IAB kicks off Audience Week, which will be a week of programming comprised of two companion events. One is the REACH Conference, and two is the Video Leadership Summit. 
at the REACH conference, media buyers and planners will get the insights they need to kick off that 2021 planning cycle with plans that perform in a time of change. The REACH conference will run from September 29th, Tuesday, through October 1st, Thursday. The week will culminate on Friday, October 2nd with the Video Leadership Summit. That is an invite-only gathering to discuss the challenges facing business leaders in the digital video space. If you can write this down, iab.com slash events. We'll have all the information you need. We're also, to, we're also excited to announce that on day two of the REACH conference, which is Wednesday, September 30th, Hulu will be launching an introduction to streaming TV course that will be free to the industry. This high-level course is designed to teach you about the complex and evolving streaming TV landscape. The focus will be on helping you develop the foundational knowledge of the video and streaming TV landscape, identifying key streaming TV consumption and ad trends, understanding the different types of creative opportunities, and to gain some insight on Hulu's customer research report called Generation Stream. Again, go to ieb.com slash events and you can find the information. On tomorrow's IEB there, we are excited to talk to Christine Cook, the Senior Vice President and Chief, Chief Revenue Officer of CNN Digital and Warner Media Ad Sales, and Robin Garfield, Executive VP of Research and Scheduling for CNN where we'll look to discuss supporting the value of news advertising. IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ounce, John Ward, and Twafika Mohanadin. I am Rick Berger. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.